coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is here. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, joined as always by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Hey, Patrick. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good, Mark. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's it's a, a, a pleasant... It's Monday, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, coming off the weekend, yeah, tough so, to do you know, a Monday. Yeah, so whatever that means to you. Yeah. <laughs> I think it means the blues for everyone. Well, I mean, maybe you're an ER doctor, and so your Monday is... Or our Monday is your Friday. Uh, also, maybe you're listening to this podcast and not recording it, and for you, it's Tuesday. Oh, yeah, great point. <laughs> That's a great point. In fact, we know that to be true. Yeah, we know that everyone who listens to this show, thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Listens to it on Tuesday, right when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, share, subscribes, tells all their friends about it. Yep. Uh, weather report? So pleasant. Uh, pleasant? A little un- warmish. Yeah, a little warmish. Um, I'm wearing shorts today. Uh-huh. I've been doing it all day. At work? Yeah. I can wear whatever I want to work. Wow. Yeah. Do you take advantage of that? I mean, more than just shorts. I mean, I'm wearing shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, do you push the envelope? I feel like I sort of push the envelope with these shorts. <laughs> like, they're not teeny tiny, but they're shorter yeah. shorts. I mean, they're above the knee. Yes. Well above the knee. I would say closer. To- <laughs> I'm not going to stand up and show them to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm curious. <laughs> All right. I'm standing up. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've got a good, like, uh, five inches, maybe. Four or five inches above the knee. Yeah. In any event, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a little debugging to do here. Just a tiny little bit. Just, a, just like a little one. Mm-hmm. It's not like a huge one. And in fact, on a technicality, I'm not even going to call it a debug. But we should go ahead anyways. We'll call it an unbugging. How about that? <laughs> great, great. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about the Super Nintendo slash Super Famicom. In as it relates to the rumor of a Super Nintendo classic. That's right. Um, and you had mentioned that there were three different versions of that thing. Right. Whereas, you know, in uh, for the NES classic, they just had to make two. They made a Super Famic or they made a Famicom version mm-hmm. and then a uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Right. And we were like, they'll have to do the three different versions here. One being the Super Famicom, one being the PAL, PAL version of the Super Nintendo, and the other being the North America region uh, Super Nintendo. But it turns out that the PAL and Japan, uh, sh- like the shape of the machine is the same, but, it, but the PAL version shares the name Super Nintendo, right? Yes. Did we get that right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's my understanding. That's what somebody told me. That's, I mean, that's, that's what somebody told you. Yeah, that's, that's what a friend really told good. me who listened to the show. And was like, hey, you need to be Just debunked. a heads up, yeah. Uh, well, good. Now we know and now uh, everyone else knows. Yeah, I mean, like, sure. Do I want to get technical? Absolutely. Uh, yes, and are 100%. they different versions? Because one's called a Super Nintendo and one's called a, the Super Famicom and you would have to make two different versions for that? Yes. Right, but you don't need to make, like, two different molds. You just need like, different three different jobs. boxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paint jobs, too? Well, isn't there some sort of branding on it? Honestly, I don't know. 
you're probably right. There probably is branding on it somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to call myself right till somebody debugs me. So <laughs> I'm good with that. That's how I that's operate. Perfect. Mark, what have you been playing? Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Of course. The Legend of Zelda, the Breath of the Wild? Uh, the Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. And um, you know what? I went ahead and I'd been putting off doing the Divine Beasts. Yeah. Uh, other than the one, the uh, the bird one. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I'll do those like last, like after I've done like the shrines that I want to do, because I want to get all the shrines. So the the bird Divine Beast was your first Divine Beast. Yeah. Okay. And uh, over the weekend, I was like, why am I doing it this way again? And I couldn't come up with a compelling reason. Right. So I went ahead and did all of the Divine Beasts. All four of them. Yeah. What order did you approach them in after um, the, the Rudo uh, Beast? Man, um, I did the Zora Kingdom one, mm-hmm. and then I did the uh the volcano one, mm-hmm. the and Goron, and then yeah, the, the Goron, and then the Gerudo. Um, the uh Rudo one, the bird one, is the only one I have not done yet. Oh. Um, yeah, I did the the Goron one um this last week, and I enjoyed it. Okay, I didn't think it was as much fun as the um the other two that I've done so far. Um, I don't know if like the, uh, I, I really like the Goron champion from like back in the day, uh, Darok or Daruk or whatever his name is. Um, but like none of the existing Goron characters do I think are like that fun. The thing I didn't love about the Goron one was the kind of like escort mission type thing you had to do getting to it. Yeah, That's been my least favorite of the. Um, how are you going to board the Divine Beast yeah. quests? Uh, my favorite was the um, Zora one. Yeah, the Zora ones. Because awesome. the music is amazing. The music is amazing, and uh, Sidon is such a cool like sidekick for that. He's just like, come on, Link, let's go. <laughs> um, so, but those have all, so taking care of those, I'm at like 90 shrines, so I have 30 left. Yeah. And then I'm going to. Uh, make my way to Hyrule Castle. So when you say, and then I'm going to make my way to Hyrule Castle, you're going to clear all the, you want to clear all 120 shrines before heading there? Or? As, I, as many as I can. I don't know if there's some that like you're not able to do until after you've uh, killed Ganon. That's not my understanding, but um, I mean, there, there may just reach a point where like you just stop finding them, right? Yeah, that's, I guess that's true. Um, I, the one thing with doing the divine beast, the way that I have is my weapons are kind of awesome at this point. Yeah. So they're, the bosses are not a challenge, which is fine. Right. Um, because combat is actually my least favorite part of this game. Yeah. I like the combat. I think it's actually pretty good. I think it's fine. Like I, I don't think it's bad or broken or anything, but I realize when I'm, am locked into fighting something, I miss just the running around part like sure, the exploration yeah. is the selling point to me yeah well and like i almost like the uh the fights that you just sort of encounter on the world map um like i i really like doing that i th- maybe mentioned last week that i've like taken on um playing the game is just like a i'm gonna be a lionel hunter for a little bit or i'm gonna just find and murder every hinox i can find um and that's that's a lot of fun for me or like, man, when I'm just like, I'm going, it's open season on Guardians. It's so fun. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's obviously like a little bit of a change um, in 
uh, like the priorities of the game. It's less about discovery and more just, you know, kind of uh, having the right equipment to take on, um, take on bad guys. Have you, um, have you done the build your house, um, and and or the Terrytown uh, side missions? No. Um, so I have a house in uh, Hateno Village. Um, it is fully upgraded, which means it has boxes where I can display weapons, bows, and shields. Um, so I've got, I've got that, uh, it's a, a guardian axe or like an ancient axe plus plus, um, hanging up there. I've got a, um, like, uh, a, another plus plus like fire sword or something like that up there. It's just cool that I'm like, I've got awesome weapons up there waiting for me whenever I need them. Um. Yeah, no, I, I I like that one. It's basically just spending a bunch of rupees to to get it finished. But um, I don't know. I like that there's a a little bit of like nesting in the game too. So you're you're not just like alone, wandering the continent of Hyrule, but like there's also a little piece of it that's yours. Yeah, that is really cool. I actually totally forgot about that because I've you know been in that village and seen that there is the space available. Yeah, but I completely forgot until you brought it up that that was even. Yeah, you can like buy a house. Yeah. Uh, we've also been playing Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest for our NCS Classic Edition podcast mini episodes. Sure, that's what we'll call it. <laughs> it's a snappy name, just like <laughs> Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest. Mm-hmm. Um, the next episode of that will go live uh, just later this week. On Thursday. Mm-hmm. So you can hear more about it there. We've also been playing, no surprise here, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. That's right. No surprise. No surprise. Uh, we will talk about that in more detail later in the show. It's our topic of the show, so we won't um, waste time on it here. But I've also been playing... Look, it's been kind of tough for me to get Mario Kart time because I've been sinking too much time into Puyo Puyo Tetris. Oh, you're into it. I'm, like, way into it. Um, now, you're a Tet head to begin with. I would say yes. I would. I'm a self-described tet head, um, but I am a Puyo Puyo noobo. <laughs> mm-hmm, never, mm-hmm. I'd never played Puyo Puyo before. Didn't realize that it's the same game as Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, but it is. So if you're like, I like Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, but this Puyo Puyo sounds weird. It's the same thing. Um, and the, is the history of it that like, because Puyo Puyo. Puyo, yeah, has never been. It's not really that well known in the West. That's right. So yeah, it's, was it brought over originally as Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine? Yes. So Puyo Puyo is one of those games like Tetris that like traces its you know computer game origins way back, and different people have had like the license to distribute it, and Sega had it at one point, and they branded it as dr robotics mean mean machine which would have been around the same time as dr mario so i think they were just like we need one of these two pluck will take this and it'll be it. it'll be that um and i don't know so uh puyo puyo tetris is a sega game um and uh so i don't know if like sega just got it back or if they've all held it for you know the last 30 years or whatever um but so yeah the the game has got a, a crazy amount of like production and presentation to it, which I was not expecting at all. There's a story mode in this game where there's like a band of 
like interdimensional traveling Puyo Puyo girls that like <laughs> always get sucked into different worlds and they have to like <laughs> pop Puyos to get out of it, right? Um, and they come into contact with a spaceship that is all about like the crew of this spaceship. They're all about Tetris pieces. Now, are these busty anime babes? No, they are not. <laughs> boom anime babes. No, they are not boom anime babes. <laughs> no, it's it's all very um like uh Saturday morning cartoon anime. Like it's uh everything's real tame, um like sexually speaking. But it's uh it's just it's just crazy dumb pointless storylines where like um the crews of you know the the Puyo girls and the Tetris boys, um, oh, like of course, mi- misunderstood. Well, there and there are, are there there are women on the Tetris ship as well. Um, but there's also one of the characters is like a talking fish. There's a robot. There are weird Pokemon esque animals that I don't understand at all. Um, but you play as those characters when you go into, um, like versus mode or anything like that. So you get little like the little voice clips that are their personalities, um. And so Sarah and I have been playing this game a lot. Like Saturday afternoon was a lot of Puyo Puyo Tetris. Um, And like you get sort of invested in the dumb personalities of these stupid characters. I mean, it actually sounds really fun. It's it's just a ton of fun. And like having having never really played Puyo before, it's fun to have a new game like that um, and slowly get better at it. Like I was real bad at it at first, was just lining up four Puyos to like, clear them out but like the whole game is based on racking up combos and how many chain reactions you can trigger from like dropping one piece um and when the when you play the swap mode of it it like flops back and forth between like every 30 seconds or something it switches you're playing tetris to you're playing puyo and if you score a combo right before the thing switches um you have an opportunity to like continue the combo in the other game and drop even more amounts of garbage on your opponent. It's just, it's super fun and like way deep um, and just has that like solid puzzle mechanic. And then it has all these amazing like presentational upgrades. Like the game's just really good. I cannot speak highly enough about it. Um, that's all. I just really, really like Puyo Puyo Tetris. And it came with some cool swag. It did come with a little bit of swag. Um, uh, I don't know if uh, all copies of it forever will come with this, but uh, mine came with two keychains, um, one which is just a little Puyo, and uh, the other which is the Tetris block. They're called Tetraminos, by the way. Oh, um, it's is like, that in the fictional universe of the game or in real life? I think both. Huh. I think both in real life and the game Uh-oh. they call them Tetraminos. Tetramino. Yeah. I mean, it's as good a name as any. Yeah, I, I'm not critiquing it. I was repeating you it. Can. You I, can I, critique I, it. No, I'm not going to. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to. I'm trying to remember it for like pub trivia or something. <laughs> Tetramino. All right. That's good. Let's move on to the news. Lots of news this week from Nintendo's financial results release. Um, starting with Nintendo announced they have shipped 2.74 million Switch units worldwide. What does that tell us? Does that tell us anything? It's a lot of Switch. It's a lot of they Switch. They were originally, like, their original projections for the financial year, which, mind you, ended March 31st. So, as far as I know, this doesn't 
include anything in April is they were planning on shipping two million, mm-hmm. and I believe they ended up shipping almost three. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's a lot. Yeah. And part of that was the Wall Street Journal reported today that they ended up uh, air shipping a lot of switches in the month of March to try to keep up with demand. Um, because normally when you're manufacturing from in China and you're trying to get it to Europe or uh, the Americas, you ship it by sea because it's so much cheaper right. than airmail. Um, but because they were trying, but it also takes way longer. Right. So well, they were really invested in getting, because it ups the cost by something like uh, 5,000 yen, which is about like 45 or $50 per console. Right, so, which is a lot. So yeah, it really eats into their profit margins, but they considered it worth it to get more switch into the hands of as many people as they could. Well, and I think this last week is when we started to actually see like switches showing up in, in shops again. Like Amazon had them on uh, Thursday, Best Buy's had them on Friday. Yeah, um, the Mario Kart yeah. 8 Deluxe launch kind of seemed like a, a relaunch, for lack of a better word. Yeah, when I feel like there, we're going to see so many of those like soft relaunch moments. Like I think we're going to see that going into Splatoon, and I think we're definitely going to see it going into the holiday season. Um, but it's cool that they like had some kind of solution, that they were like, we need to get some more of these out in the world. We're probably also seeing now like the... Uh, that stock that they were shipping because starting in April, they, they haven't really been air shipping as much. Yeah, yeah. So we're probably starting to see the stock come in that uh, was on shipping containers. You know, oh yeah. Just taking that makes longer sense. to like come over. Um, also we got some numbers, some updated numbers on Zelda. Okay. So the switch itself, consoles have shipped 2.74 million. Like we said, ship switch software has moved 5.46 million units including Zelda at uh, 3.84 million, although that includes Switch and Wii U. Ah. 1-2 Switch is nearly at 1 million copies. Snipper Clips, uh, 350,000, which low in my estimation. People are sleeping on this game, Mark. It's one of my favorite launch games. So Yeah, I mean, it is, it, it is certainly a launch game that you need to have someone else in the room that you're going to play the game with. That's true. So like... If you're not a uh, like physically in-person social gamer, if you don't live with anyone, I could see where um, Snipper Clips wouldn't be the most attractive thing. But and then Super Bomberman R has sold five hundred thousand units, which uh, I guess I guess kind of surprising. That's uh, who's buying Super Bomberman. It seems R? surprising to me too. But I guess I never liked it as a kid. Yeah. So maybe if I did, um, I'd be more inclined to pick it up. Uh, we also learned that Super Mario Run has been downloaded almost 150 million times. <laughs> Zelda has been purchased 3.84 <laughs> million times. Mario Run has been downloaded 150 million times. So that's across iOS and Android. But uh, we also we learned that their per- the purchase rate is less than their 10% goal. So they wanted to see about 10% of those 150 million downloads convert into ten dollar purchases but that hasn't happened uh do we know how many have turned into purchases Mm, i don't know fewer than uh 15 million yeah it would seem uh in japan uh fire emblem heroes has been much more successful yeah i mean just overall it's a uh it is a money-making 
like that the structure that's that's how you make money on mobile right is with a game like fire emblem you find the people that are gonna spend hundreds of dollars find your whales man find your whales yeah with the switch launch it feels less exciting to talk about nintendo mobile initiatives but uh we know that they have more coming out so it'll be interesting to see where animal crossing because i mean animal crossing seems perfect for the fire emblem heroes model yeah absolutely perfect but they've said that their preference is the super mario run model so we'll see what ends up happening there um also this week reggie fizzime 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 yeah you're right um was talking about the NES Classic Edition and said that it has sold 2.3 million worldwide before being discontinued. And I'm not sure if that counts the Super or the Famicom Mini. Do you think it was just the uh, NES Classic that uh, discontinued after 2.3 million? I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you were talking about the NES Classic and the... Uh, Famicom Mini, you would, you would break them up. You would. They're not the same thing. Just, one of them's got Final Fantasy two, and the other one's got Final Fantasy one. All right, that's enough of that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, is it? <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's so few, and for something that should have been like a, a no-brainer, grab it anywhere you are for sixty bucks. Like, they could have sold so many of those things. Yeah. Uh, probably the w- most unexpected announcement, at least for me, of the week was the new 2DS XL. Yeah, let's talk about this thing forever, Mark. <laughs> so, okay, super successful Switch launch, right? Mm-hmm. Like. People are talking about the Switch. People are talking about Breath of the Wild. Switch and Nintendo, the wave of the future. Everyone's excited about it. And then Nintendo's like, oh, by the way, we still have all these 3DS games coming out. And we're kind of like, okay, all right. That makes sense. 3DS has a big user base. It's got a huge install base. And, you know, that's a, a good, like, swan song year for the, for the console. And then they announce new hardware. What does this mean? So I'm, first of all, I think the 2DS XL is cool. I think you and I have talked about wanting that on this show before. Yeah. The new 2DS. And, you know, they talked about how only, you know, like around, you know, 10% of Nintendo 3DS owners had a 2DS, which makes sense because the actual 2DS itself is fine. And in a lot of ways, a great console, but it definitely feels cheap. You know, it's not the premium experience. Right. Well, and it also, I mean, there's something about it not having the the clamshell design that also makes it feel like a less durable good, you know, that like that thing's going to get thrown, it's going to get scratched, it's going to, it seems more vulnerable than something that closes. Yeah. The 2DS, like, I, I like the design of the new 2DS XL. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally care nothing about 3D. Right. So, and it's going to be 150 bucks, which is $50 cheaper than a new Nintendo 3DS yep. XL. So, there's an amazing back library. Even if Nintendo doesn't release any more 3DS games. Which, which is just not true. Like, they, the, uh, this thing is releasing alongside um, 
Is it called Yo Pik- Yo Hey uh, Hey Pikmin? <laughs> Should have been called Yo Pikmin. Yo Pikmin. Um, and Metopia. Right. So both those games are coming out essentially along with it, right? Yeah, I think in, the same day, July twenty eighth. July twenty eighth. Um, it's a little bit weird to me that this is coming out so far after um, Fire Emblem. Um, because when I saw this announced originally, I was like, oh, that would be great. I'll, I, I'll get one of these things and I'll play Fire Emblem on it. Um, but now there's going to be like two months here. Well, what's the... Three months. Why would you get the... Why would you get one? So because you have the regular three... I, I do have a, a 3DS um, XL, new 3DS XL, um, but it is showing like just signs of wear like the uh there are scratches on the screen i never got a screen protector for it um and the d-pad um the left button on the d-pad sticks um so like you know i've put in a bunch of time on it and i i in no way feel like the machine has slighted me or that it hasn't served it you know it has served well i am pleased with the machine um but i've been looking for uh I've been looking for a replacement for it and have just never been able to find one. Um, and, I, you know, I've been thinking about uh, doing just like the regular 3DS, the new 3DS, um, not XL, um, just make it a smaller package. But uh, the uh, new 2DSs look so slick that I-, I would be happy with that as a solution too. If I was l- in the market for a new 3DS pr- product, yes, I would get this. In a heartbeat, right? But I... Uh... I'm just not interested enough in continuing to game on the 3DS. Yeah. To warrant the purchase, I think. Um, the I think the and we they keep talking about new games and more support, and it's possible I will be proven wrong in the future. But I still believe it's half-hearted support. I still believe it's product projects like Hey Pikmin, which are farmed out to another company. Sure. Maybe using Nintendo IP, but I I don't know that we're gonna see their A teams on uh 3ds projects right well there's another kirby game out there on the horizon unnamed multiplayer kirby game that we don't know about yeah yet. but again that's how laboratory that's not right nintendo's resources itself and uh but i but i think the uh the new nintendo 2ds xl is a great product because again they have this huge back library of games yeah um the 3ds is the new 3ds is still impossible Yep. To get, and that's what I don't understand is, uh, again, we talk a lot about like logistics, like Nintendo not being great at logistics. Right. And the 3DS has been impossible to find for months now, like since before Pokemon came out. Right. And so they left a ton of money on the table by not having more of those available over the holidays. For for sure, but I think that's part of what the the new 2DS is about. Because remember, Pokemon doesn't play in 3D, right? There's no 3D effects in Pokemon, um, but it does run better on a new 3DS than it does on the old 3DS. I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't understand why whatever resources were being dedicated to the 2DS, mm-hmm. to the new 2DS, weren't just dedicated to pumping out more... 3DSs. Well, I think I mean I think that's that's it though is that like they need something at this price point and not at the $200 price point. So that's another thing Reggie talked about was that he felt like there was room in between or they saw that there was room in between the $200 3DS XL mm-hmm. and the super cheap 
$80 2DS. Yeah. And so that's where this fits in. And I see that. I wonder, do you think this is like a Game Boy, Boy Micro situation where it's like the last hardware revision of kind of a sunsetting system? Or do you think this is intended to keep it going for many years to come? Because to me, it kind of feels like they were hedging their bets with the Switch. And it's like, well, if this launch is a little bit soft, yeah, you know, we have this in the chamber. But then Switch came blazing out of the gates and they still have it. And it's great. And the 3DS is a great system with a great library. Yeah. But it just feels less compelling now. I mean, I, I think they'll just have to see, right? Like Nintendo's not going to, if uh, this thing sells really well and people are still buying a bunch of 3DS games, they're not going to leave it alone, right? Um, like I think it is a distinct enough machine from the Switch that there will be people continuing to play on these things. Um, you know, there is still something easier about closing a 3DS or the now the new 2DS, just closing it and throwing it in your bag that is not at all like um, the Switch, which even though like you can take it with you anywhere you want to go, it feels more like something you want to be careful with, right? Um, I've got I've got a case for my Switch now, but I'm still very like precious with it, you know. Um, whereas with a 3DS, I'll you know, I'll throw it on the couch, like I don't, I don't throw it in my backpack. It doesn't really matter. One of the nice things about this new 2DS is that if you get it, you're not really sacrificing anything other than the 3D. Right. Which is before Fine. when you're getting the 2DS, you know, you didn't get the second little analog nub thingy. Yeah. You know, the... Mm -hmm. Or the second uh, shoulder buttons or the third and fourth shoulder buttons, I guess. Or the, just like the, you were running on outdated hardware. So it was painfully slow. Yeah. Um, Although it's, it is interesting. One of the like advertised improvements of the new 3DS was its ability to track your eyes and your face position to adjust the 3D to where you were. Um, it's interesting that uh, the new 2DS wouldn't have that because it doesn't have the 3D. So it, it also doesn't have this ability to make the 3D better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I, I why would it have it? I, I mean, of course it wouldn't. I'm just saying, like, there are only so many things. There, there are four things that the new uh, 3DS did that the regular 3DS didn't, and knocking it down to 2DS, it's like, well, okay, that improvement, we're just taking that away. Yeah, that's true, but it's also $50 cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Pokemon Stars, if it's real, right? This is the rumored um, Pokemon uh, iteration where they combine Sun and Moon. Right. Into one complete package like they have done in the past. The rumor originally was that it was in development for Switch. Do you think it's actually in development for the 3DS? Or because that would be quite the hardware leap? Or do you think it's cross-platform? What do you think the deal is, if it's real at all? I think it would be pretty crazy for it to be a Switch game, right? Like, the Switch... You're going to be putting that up on TVs, right? Like, I think Sun and Moon look great, but they look great on this tiny screen. Um, and I, I just, I, I just don't know if it's ready to go up on a large TV or if that's like, I think, I think if there's a switch Pokemon um, that they, that will see that with like a new generation or like a new something, I, I, I just don't think they're going to do a, a straight port anymore. Uh, I think, I think there was a long time where I was thinking that's what they were going to do and that they'd be like, no, if you want to play the new Pokemon, you got to do it on Switch. Um, but now, I don't know. It's, it's just so at home on the 3DS that I, I, I would bet Stars is coming to, to It that. would be so much work to make Pokemon yeah. Sun and Moon 
run in high definition on in like 1080p. Mm-hmm. I there is something just like my gut. It's a little disappointing to me if it is just on the 3DS. Yeah, I mean, but it d- makes total sense logically. Yeah, and Pokemon has a like track record of sticking with the older hardware that has a larger install base. Um, just because, I mean, part of the Pokemon metagame is just the number of people playing the game affects how you play the game, right? Like, it needs a big install base. It needs a lot of people playing it. Um, And, you know, if they're like, okay, there are 60 million 3DSs and 3 million uh, um, Switches, it's an easy choice for them, right? Yeah. I I think you're probably right. When it comes down to it, our best if you're looking for pokemon on the switch your best hope is probably whatever the 2018 iteration is yeah because they've basically been pumping these things out yearly um i still kind of hope it ends up on the switch but i guess we'll see i mean don't don't get me wrong i want to play all games on the switch yeah me too and that includes and i mean all games all not just nintendo put any game on the switch it makes the ps4 feel archaic that yeah. I can't just pick it up and take it to bed because I know <laughs> lovingly yeah. carry it across the threshold. Right. I'm and, a gentleman. And then lay it down <laughs> on a bed of rose petals. Yeah. <laughs> but because look, I know that the PS4 is more powerful graphically and it does things that the Switch cannot do. You're not a fool. But no, I know this. But the Switch is good enough. Yeah. And I think that, and, you know, and I absolutely know that there are people who um, are like fidelity, the graphic fidelity is more important to them than it is to me. Mm -hmm. But for me, like what the Switch is capable of is for them is like good enough. Yeah. And so, yeah, I want every game on this. So if Pokemon were to come to it, it'd be a different story. I'd be like, I'm changing my tune. This was the right move. Nintendo was right all along. <laughs> but it, it, honestly, I think um, the Pokemon company kicks so much money into Nintendo's coffers that I, I, they get to make the call, almost certainly. Well, in either way, it'll be a huge success. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Genyo Takeda, Genyo? I'm, I'm sure I'm saying this wrong, is retiring from his full-time role as representative director and technology fellow at Nintendo. He'll be retiring in June. Um, Takeda is a Nintendo legend who has been with the company since the 70s. Ooh. And in, ad- in addition to leading a lot of hardware design efforts, he was the director and producer of games such as Star Tropics, Punch-Out, and Pilot Wing 64. So he'll remain on as an advisor for a time. But yeah, it's kind of... We're seeing a lot of that generation of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. That old roll. guard kind of turnover. Yeah, I, it's, it's always interesting when like uh, people's uh, credits get kind of trotted out. And just to see that these, you know, like Star Tropics, Punch-Out, and Pilot Wings, those are none of the like big marquee Nintendo titles, but like they're all very important to Nintendo history in their own way. And this is Star Tropics less, but like, that those are all part of what gives the company its identity. Um, and I don't know. It just, it just it like gets me excited for the kind of games that Nintendo makes, and just to know that there will be you know generations upon generations of these people coming up through the company and being responsible for games like that. I don't know. I like I like the company. I like what they do. And I think it's always interesting when you have this kind of changing of the guard, where the people who are developing 
games for Nintendo now are people who played Nintendo games mm-hmm. growing up, not, you know, like they were they didn't exist in a vacuum. Right, right, right. Whereas uh, Takeda here was helping to make it up as they went along, right? Like when Punch Out came out, there wasn't something like Punch Out yet, you know. And I think one of the challenges that any company faces, but uh, Nintendo faces, is being able to still innovate. Yes. And not just in hardware, but in games as well. And I think that's where like ARMS and Splatoon mm-hmm. um, kind of show those efforts. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, they've got so much, um, again, just from these three examples, Star Tropics, Punch-Out! and Pilot Wings, like other things that they could reach back to that um, are old enough that the ideas may almost seem new. Like if there was a new Pilot Wings game, it could be anything. Like I have no expectations for what a 2017, 2018's Pilot Wings game would be. Um, and absolutely no idea what a modern Star Tropics would be. Well, could you imagine, you know, how Star Tropics Breath of the Wild? <laughs> basically, like Star Tropics was based on, yeah. it was basically a westernized version of yeah. The Legend of Zelda. Taking that same idea, those same mechanics, that same engine, and just putting it in like Star Tropics. Yeah, that'd be great. Why not? I'd play it all day. Nintendo has confirmed that they won't be holding a live press press conference of E3. Not a surprise. Not a, a surprise. surprise. Who's surprised? Not us, because they haven't done it for the past several years, opting instead for like a Nintendo Direct style live stream. Mm-hmm. And uh, they always have a presence on the show floor anyways. So, who cares? Who is one is not news, Mark. <laughs> um, I mean, last year, again, they did the same thing. They're, the only thing they had at their booth was Breath of the Wild. And people were sprinting in the mornings when the show floor <laughs> opened to be able to get in line for that game. So Yeah, and I mean, honestly, like, anytime we see Nintendo dudes on stage, like, trying to sell us stuff where it's it's a little weird it doesn't work great because uh i mean just like we saw with the switch presentation yes you know they are more comfortable in speaking japanese right and there's that whole translation filter and it it, like when you're making these big presentations it's about pacing and excitement Mm -hmm. and that's just it's it's a difficult thing to juggle I, I think nintendo directs are a great way to yeah and nintendo's got such a weird sense of humor as it is and they refuse to not be funny in their presentations. So when there's like this, it's a stage thing and it's in a different language and there's a translator, like none of it comes through the translation. So like, fine, fine. Direct. And then on top of that, you're like, if you're live streaming it to the world, right. it's removed another step. Yes. So it's just, it just gets to be too much. Also, look. These are video game developers and Japanese businessmen. They are not professional comedians. We're asking a lot of these guys. So let's just do it. Hey, let's package it up in a nice little YouTube video. We'll all watch it in, in the com- from the comfort of our homes in our pajamas. And we'll like that. Yeah. Nintendo uh, has also released information on what will be included in Breath of the Wild's first DLC update. I had not heard this yet mark this is exciting do this summer they just kind of dropped the news a couple hours ago so i'm just gonna kind of go straight from the press release on this great trial of the sword knows uh was originally known as cave of trials challenge mm-hmm. it's kind of like their horde mode thing so by accessing this location players can challenge the new trial of the sword where enemies appear one after another 
Ling starts out without any weapons or armor, and if he defeats all of the enemies in the room, he can proceed to the next area. Trial of the Sword will include about 45 total rooms for players to complete. When Link clears all of the trials, the true power of the Master Sword will awaken and oh. always be in its glowing, powered-up state. So that's pretty big, right? Because when it's glowing and powered up, it's it's like attack level 60, right? Mm-hmm. Um, versus 30, not glowing. Um, that could be fun. So it's like uh, Eventide rules, where it strips you of armor and, and weapons. That's what it seems like. Yeah. And then as you defeat enemies you'll be able to like gather their armor and stuff yeah i like that um hard mode the legend of zelda breath of the wild is already considered one of the most thrilling games in the legend of zelda series should i read this stuff i'm, I'm not yeah, no. I'm, I'm gonna kind of like yeah. <laughs> okay so in hard mode the ranks of enemies in the game are increased so like red bokoblins become blue bokoblins uh, okay there's rumors of like a like a gold bokoblin or something so even more difficult uh, and players might even encounter higher-ranking enemies they wouldn't find through normal play. Enemies will also slowly recover health in battle, forcing you to defeat them more quickly. Mm. They will also more easily spot Link as he approaches them. Um, and floating planks held aloft by balloons will be scattered around Hyrule. By successfully reaching these planks, players can battle enemies and collect treasure. What? <laughs> yeah, they release some screenshots of it, and it is. It's just like, you know, four planks of wood made us make a square with, like, uh um balloons on all four sides that have like lifted it up it sounds and to then, me like tingle is up to no good here <laughs> well th- they have um uh I'm am i down to that <laughs> new equipment so eight new pieces of equipment inspired by previous characters and games the legend of it uh, games in the series will be added they will yield equipment themed after fan favorite games and characters such as midna tingle phantom and majora's mask there's the whole uh tingle armor that's Tingle's suit yes. that you can get. Yes, Tingle. Um. Also, I'm genuinely excited about the uh, Midna stuff. I always like Midna a lot. So there's the Heroes Path mode, and this is what when we were like, "Oh, what is uh, what can they possibly add to the in-game map? What's yeah, that sure. about?" Mm-hmm. So that's what this is. Um, basically, what it is to help. With tracking progress, the new Heroes Path mode will document every step players take and mark their path in green on the map. The route taken will be tracked for the player's last 200 hours of playtime, with an included slider to track footsteps on a timeline. This even works retroactively, so players that have already put many hours into the game will be able to see where they have traveled. This feature will help in identifying the locations they haven't visited in this vast world, and may help players find those shrines they haven't yet they haven't encountered yet. So this is the answer to my question about the remaining 30 shrines that you have to find if you can retrace all of your footsteps and see oh i haven't been over here that's amazing yeah it actually seems really helpful and that it's retroactive so that means they're already remembering every step you've taken i mean that makes sense to me in you know when they were doing like play testing they talked about that like it wouldn't surprise me if that was like a metric that they were keeping track of yeah yeah um but yeah that's cool and I haven't put 200 hours into the game, but uh, that's pretty incredible. How is there a way to see how many hours you've put into the game? I think the only... I don't know. The only thing I know of is in on the Switches, like in your personal profile. Yeah. And it tells you, like, more than 50 hours. That's the only place I know. Yeah, I wish there was something that, that said, because I feel like I've been playing the game forever. Um, still no complaints. <laughs> But I feel like I've been playing it for a very long time. 
There's also going to be a travel medallion, which will be in a treasure treasure chest somewhere. And what it does is, it'll if you're wearing it, it allows you to put your own travel spot on the map. Okay. And you can only have one at a time. So it's like if you're in an area that was difficult to get to and not really close to any shrines or other things you can warp to, you could set your own. That's handy. Um, although I feel like is less handy the more you play the game because like there end up not being too many places that don't have a shrine buried in them somewhere. That's true. But occasionally like scale a really high mountain. Yeah. Or something. Also, one thing I really like that I did mention before about like those floating platforms is that so much of this game, what makes it cool is the verticality. Mm -hmm. So that's fun that they're like extending that and playing with that idea. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. Uh, then the last thing is the Korok mask. And by finding the new Korok mask, players will have a much easier time finding Korok locations in the game. When equipped, the mask will shake, indicating that a Korok is hidden somewhere nearby. Seems like you'd basically be shaking all the time. Yeah. How many Koroks have seeds do you have? Not that many. Less than 100. Yeah, me too. Which means that we're finding like less than 10, about probably about 10% of these yeah, things. Yeah, it feels like you should not be able to like turn a corner without your mask shaking. Yeah. <laughs> but I also haven't been seeking them out, really. I mean, I whenever I, uh, you know, see that stump with the leaf on it, I stand on it and try to do whatever it wants me to do. Whenever I see a circle of stones or lily pads, I do that. Whenever I see a rock chained to something, I do that. Um, yeah, but I'm not like specifically being like, and now I'm going to go find Korok seeds. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's no, there's no time where like I've got that turned off, basically. Like I'm, I'm always sort of aware that that's something I should be paying attention to. So this summer update is re is fun. To me, it feels like it's a reason. I mean, it's what DLC, DLC is, which is a reason for people who have already beat the game to come back in and play some more. Because, it, you know, a lot of this stuff, for lack, uh, you know, kind of breaks the reality of the game. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And additionally, you know, having an overpowered, having like an OP Master Sword makes the game you know like way easier yeah yeah and different and it, i mean oh yeah because it's gonna be if it if it's that strong and still is being swung like the master sword which means you can hold the shield at the same time and it's fast yeah that'll that'll be way op so it really just feels like a reward for people who have already like mm. put a lot of time into the game to come back which is not a bad thing no i have a question mm -hmm. wasn't there something about uh there being an extra dungeon or something like that. So there's supposed to be more story stuff, but that's okay. in the fall update got or it. like the Christmas update. So maybe that's where that was as well. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, well, I mean, if so, that I mean, this is exciting. If this is all part of the the first of two DLC updates. So. And remember, you can't buy them separately. Right. It's just twenty bucks, and then you get everything. Um, I haven't actually purchased it yet. I have. I have not picked up my Switch shirt in the game. I should. How does that work? Where do you get it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's on the Great Plateau somewere. Like, right. I, I thought just like treasure, treasure chest. chest like dropped or something. Um, yeah, I haven't bought it yet. Uh, I kind of, depending on when this comes out, it seems conceivable that I could still be right just playing the game. Playing the game. Yeah. Um, the other thing that is actually released today just a few hours ago was or yesterday of course if you were since you're listening to this on tuesday right when it comes out which you are mm -hmm. uh dual language sharing subscribing dual language audio becomes available in nine languages 
So before it was possible to access other countries' languages, but you had to like switch your region on the Switch. Uh, okay. But now it became like most other games that offer dual audio, where you just go into the settings and you can say, I want Japanese voices with English subtitles. I may try that because I'm not enamored with the voice acting in this game, um, particularly Zelda. Yeah, I don't love it either. I uh, think it's fine, but... Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I will probably try that. For some reason, the um, super, like, cartoony voice acting doesn't bother me as much in Japanese because I don't understand what they're saying. Absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm with you 100% there. It's just uh, like the other day when you and I were playing Persona and we were like, oh boy, some of this... Some of the writing is like iffy enough and the performances are iffy enough that like if this were just in Japanese and I had like a little bit of a barrier to understanding it, great. Like I would be so much more for it. Yeah. Um I think I might do the same, but it's available in any of the languages little any of the languages they um have voice acting for. So I think that includes like French, German, like, oh sure, they're all op- open options. Languages is, we may be closer to understanding <laughs> at least a little well, bit. Well, I mean, it's it's I'm I think it's cool that they're offering this. Mm-hmm. Agree. Um, yeah. So that's out today. Ooh, yeah. it's getting hot in here. More news. <laughs> We've got so much news, and yeah. it's only getting hotter in here. <laughs> the heat is rising, and the the episode. Oh, did you want me to not have the heat on? <laughs> No, no, no. It's fine. You can leave it on. Then the campfire is no, okay, right? No, we'll get a good sweat. Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay, of course. Good. And what about uh, the space heater that I brought from home? Oh, yeah. Don't you dare unplug that. Right. I'm just going to pour some water over these hot coals. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. Oh, also outside, I have a football team who just finished practice. Should they I can come let in. them in? They can okay, come great. In. Just a second. Yeah. I'll open the door. Come on in, guys. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Uh, make no, yourself No, there's not. I mean, if you could just not on the carpet. Like, just be over here by Mark and I. Yeah, okay. All right. It's a little cozy. We're a little, it's a little, little bit tight, warm. but you know, it's fine. We're doing good. Um, okay, so Koei Tecmo, is that how you say it? Yeah. Okay. They've uh, been one of the biggest third-party supporters of Switch so far in Japan. They have like a, a handful of games out with some more announced. Um, this week, they announced even like more plans for Switch in vague terms. They talked about it in as part of like multi-platform releases, mm-hmm. and also they they have more Switch exclusive games coming. So it's interesting to see that kind of support um, from. I feel like we're still mostly seeing that from Japanese developers. Um, Koei Tecmo being a, a good example. It of that. just makes if you're a Japanese developer, it just makes business sense. Sure. To get on the Switch, especially with. If you're looking at how the Switch is selling compared to other home consoles of the past five years, and you're seeing the future, right? Yeah, for sure. Because you're you're seeing the Vita sales slowly. You know, I mean, it's an old it's an old system at this point, right? The PS4 never really took off in Japan. The Wii U never took off in Japan. The Xbox One is a joke, selling you know like a handful of units every week. So if you're a Japanese developer looking for the future of home consoles, you're looking at the switch right so yeah it, it um, makes sense to see that in the same sense in from capcom's earnings reports we saw that they include switch in um like future multi-platform development man that good because like i just want to see like the real capcom games on on this thing like i'm excited about ultra street fighter 2 but what does that even mean for capcom even more 
anymore, though. Real Capcom games? I guess yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I did say that, and as the words tumbled out of my mouth, I was like, uh, since 2007, I don't know what that means, you know? like um, They ruined Dead Rising. Yeah. They, and they did put out a Dead Rising on, on the Wii or Wii U? They did, yeah. yeah. Chop Till You Drop. Yeah. Ooh. That was a remake of the first game. Which is the best game in the series. Totally agree. Um, they, like, Lost Planet isn't a thing anymore. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil, they have. They do have Resident Evil, and they've kind of fixed it. Well, um, I mean, this, their sales were less than they expected. For sure. And a huge step down from 6. So, I mean, people... Even though we don't like it as Resident Evil fans, what their best-selling Resident Evil games have been five and six. Yeah, and six by a, a long shot. Long shot. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I mean when no, I say. No, I mean I it, it's exciting in theory. Right. Look, I just want Mega Man and Street Fighter. I want a new Power Stone game. <laughs> I think that's only gonna happen <laughs> on Switch. Some more rapid fire. Uh. Game and title announcements. Uh, Shaq Fu, A Legend Reborn is in development for Switch. All right, fine. Additionally, Saber Interactive is bringing some other unnamed games in the future. That uh, sw- eShop exclusive Switch game that's coming this summer, the po- Project Mikuru. Mikuru? Right, that they, uh, they showed at the... Uh, yeah, where you like butt stomp to make the tiles change. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like it has a, a real name now called Battle Sports Mikuru. Okay, so we we talked about this game two weeks ago, and it's, suddenly it's got a new name. Sure, two Ma- maybe, two weeks. It took maybe a- they had the meeting last week. Somebody has to sign off on it. I maybe guess. it just took time. It's just so weird that they, that they're like put out a video where we're showing it off. Uh, I'll tell you what the name is in a second. I mean, I'll remind you that during the Fire Emblem direct, they announced that. Uh, Fire Emblem Heroes was coming to Android first and iOS at a later date, and then literally minutes later, corrected that video. Right, that they were like, oh no, same time. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. No one knows what's going on. <laughs> so this feels less weird to me. Like this feels right. I feel at ease. Okay, t- yeah, two whole weeks here. <laughs> we're fine. Uh, NBA Playgrounds comes out next week, May 9th. That's like the NBA Jam type thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Through data mining of the 3DS eShop, someone found data for a Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga DX. Hmm. Maybe like a remake of the first game in the Mario and Luigi series. A series that feels not very loved. Uh, no, but I think the earlier entries in the series are, are pretty well loved, right? And again, I feel like this is one of those projects where, yeah, it's a new 3DS title, but, you know, yeah. handle, farmed out to a B team. Right but something that they can announce. Also, there aren't really DS games on the 3DS, right? I don't think so. That seems like such a mistake. Those games should just be on the 3DS store. Digital store, I mean. Yeah, it it does seem like a huge mistake. And uh, that they kind of should have been there since day one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Sure, should have been there since day one. But I think especially uh, knowing that they're on the Wii U eShop. Like, oh, yeah, because they've done all the work then. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. Uh, finally, in its first day on the market, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe sold over 459,000 copies in the U.S. Uh, that figure accounts for packaged and digital sales, and it's the fastest selling game in Mario Kart history. In uh, outselling 
the Wii by about 20,000 copies. And that that's just day one. That's then, just right? day one. So that means Mario Kart 8 Deluxe in the U.S. on day one has an attach rate of 45%. Amazing. <laughs> but also, like, if you have a Switch and you're not buying Mario Kart 8, like, I suppose they're still playing Zelda. And fine. So we all are. But, like... Get Mario Kart, man. Well, I mean, it's crazy because maybe day two purchase. <laughs> yeah, day two purchase. Like I don't. Uh, so yes, it's off to its biggest start, but there's only so much room, you know, it can sell in the immediate. Right. But clearly, there is pent up demand for Mario Kart, you know, and that's from probably people who didn't buy Mario Kart Eight when it first came out, including myself because I didn't own a Wii U. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great game that's been super well received. Uh, but, you know, obviously this game is going to track the trajectory of the Wii version because there just aren't that many Switches out there. Right. It can only sell as many uh, as there are machines to play it. But on. over the lifetime of the system, you already have two great Nintendo games. If you're picking this up yeah. now, you yeah. know. And it, if you're picking it up now, less than two months into its lifespan, you, you've already got a great library to choose from. It also was the number one title in the UK which hasn't happened for a Nintendo title since 2011. Um, it's pretty exciting. It's, I mean, again, like, the UK is probably one of Nintendo's weakest territories. Mm-hmm. And uh, so do you think these numbers, do they make you, do they affect your, any ideas you have about what ARMS is capable of doing? Ooh. Do you think that there's just so much pent up for demand for games? Like, for big, um, like, yeah, like AAA games. Yeah. Uh, or do you think it's Mario Kart specific? I mean, it is hard to discount the specific, like, the draw, the specific draw that Mario Kart has. Because, um, man, people just like Mario Kart. It's been, the series has been around for so long that everyone has positive memories of playing it, right? Um, whereas literally no one has positive memories of playing ARMS. Uh, probably there are people who have played it that have positive memories. but. Um. Yeah, I I don't know that it necessarily equates for me. Like, when Arms comes out, Splatoon will be out within a month. Um, and I think if there's excitement around the new Nintendo stuff, it'll be around Splatoon more than more than Arms. We're I feel like we're in an echo chamber of Nintendo fans, obviously. Yeah, sure. So I, in my Twitter feed and all this kind of stuff, I see a lot of fan art for ARMS and people excited about those characters. But I, again, it's hard for me to tell if that is a more general excitement or a very specific Yeah. Um, to, like, my Nintendo-focused feed. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and I think um, there's also a difference between... Um, like being excited about new characters or like the fact that Nintendo has new IP and actually being interested in the game that features those characters. Um, but I mean, it, you, you raise a good point that like, are we just hungry for that level of software and are people going to pick up arms just because they want to experience it? And if it is something that explodes, like that they want to be a part of it or whatever. Um, like you and I, we've talked about this, that we'll probably go split seas on a copy of arms. Yeah. Um, Cause neither of us are super excited about it. Neither of us are super excited about it, but if we don't play it and if we don't play it, like right when it comes out, we're going to feel like we're missing some part of the, you know, capital S capital E switch experience. So 
And, yeah. and there are a lot of games. I think that like the Switch has a really, I think, strong library for two months. Yeah, agreed. But a lot of it comes from indies, which don't get the glossy like magazine spreads that a Mario Kart 8 or mm-hmm. a um, uh, ARMS is going to get. And so I, I do think there's something to those like marquee titles. Yeah, I don't really want to play a game if it hasn't been featured on the cover of a magazine. <laughs> or at least a two-page two page spread in the middle. Yeah, or one of those like three-fold things. Oh, yeah. Like that you could tear off and it would be like a poster. Uh, absolutely. For your uh, uh, treehouse. I know what you're talking about. Thank you. Um, new releases. That's right. We've come to the end of news. By the way, that wasn't like a centerfold joke. I wasn't making like a Playboy centerfold joke. Oh, no, it's fine. I know you're a pervert. (laughs) No, Mark, that's not what I was doing. (laughs) It's fine. like you didn't hear me at all. I don't mind. It's, it's fine. Um, Tumble Seed comes out on May 2nd. Still don't really understand what this is. I watched a trailer. There's co-op. Um, it kind of appears to be a... Did that sound that sounded more dismissive <laughs> than I co-op. that sounded more dismissive than I intended. But I I, I um still people, don't understand. I it. don't understand it. People are excited for it, but I don't understand it. Someone needs to put this game in my hands, and then I'll experience it, and then I'll go back to playing. Puyo, I watched Puyo a trailer, Tetris. and I still don't entirely. I still don't entirely understand what this game is or how it works. Right. But uh, part of me feels like Principal Skinner. Where it's like, am I out of touch? No, no it's, it's the, the children, children who are wrong. And that's kind of how I feel on this. But um, yeah, somebody explain this game to me. I'll stand with you. It's the children who are wrong. Great. Uh, that's two of us. Two of us old men. <laughs> uh, Blazing Star is the Neo Geo game of the week. Mm-hmm. And last week we talked about Constructor was supposed to come out on 28th of April. But now... It- Hold a uh, Pocket Rumble, and it's just a summer release date. So, what are you gonna do? Why'd you have to bring up Pocket Rumble? It hopefully soon. Release date TBD. Mark, let's get out of the news. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, let's talk about car stuff. Car stuff. Car stuff. Welcome to Car Stuff. This is, <laughs> this is Tick and Talk. The clever, wait, wait, these are the worst impressions I've ever heard. I actually think it's pretty good. <laughs> okay. Um, you wanted to talk about this because you got tires. Yeah, I got new tires on my car. Um, I also recently got new tires on my car. Where did you go? I go, there is a Pep Boys um, on San Fernando Road oh. over here by my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... I didn't realize they did car maintenance i assumed they were just like an auto zone type thing where it was just car parts see here i assume that auto zone will also work on your car <laughs> no not true as far as i know um yeah where where did where did you go i went to costco oh okay yeah um it was a fine enough experience they had to so i was left a note on my car uh, la- like a couple of weeks ago from somebody being like, you need to get your tires replaced. I know nothing about cars. We should totally, like, I know zero about cars. Right. Don't drive like my brother. Yeah. <laughs> Stick here. <laughs> Clackety clack. Are they tick and tack? The- 
Click. No, they're click and clack. Click. Okay. I think they're click and clack. Or were. They're not dead, but I don't think they do car talk anymore. One of them's dead. Oh. Click or clack. I don't know. I don't either. I'm not even sure these are their names. I'm pretty I pretty sure they are. Um anyways, they left a somebody a nice person left a note on my car being like, You need to get your tires replaced. So I went in and they didn't have the tires in my size. Um, so they had to order them. And the guy was really nonchalant about it. So, but I was, had been driving around for a few days being like, oh, my tires could explode at any moment. Right. Which would be a terrifying thing to happen. Yeah. But then I drove on them for a whole nother week. Basically what I'm saying are tires are really well designed. (laughs) That you can be driving on dangerous tires and still be totally fine. Right. In a city like Los Angeles where you need to do... Just a hellscape. (laughs) Just a hellscape. You need to do constant braking because people are stopping in front of you. People are running in front of your cars and washing your windshield. You got to really act fast. Just a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Otherwise, pleasant experience. Loved it. Um, so <laughs> aside from the hellscape, I loved it. <laughs> um, so, here's a thing that's happened to my car recently. Uh, the handle, the door handle on the driver's side, on the inside, has broken off. Oh. Broke off in my hand one day. And I can no longer open my car door from the inside. So now, every time... It's like you're in a cop car. It's like you're a criminal in your own car. And I'm driving? They're letting the criminals drive the car! It's, it's, a, it's a TV show pitch. Criminal cop. <laughs> half cop, half, half criminal. criminal. Uh, can't leave his car. So, yeah, every time I get... Every time I stop the car, it becomes this little dance where I try to open the door, remember there's no handle anymore, Turn the the car back on, roll the window down, reach out, open it, hold it open with my foot, turn the car off, and then no wait, roll up the window, then turn the car off. And any at any point I could mess up the order of these steps and have to do it all over again. Um and I don't know that or when I'm going to fix this. So yeah, I when it comes to cars, I just don't care. So I'm incredibly yes. cheap. Mm-hmm. And so I'm driving pretty much like um, a piece of junk. Yeah, but we it's both a, are. But it's we a functional are. piece of junk. Do you? So, so I see no reason to replace it. Right, because like at some at some point you will ha- you will be made to replace it. Yeah. Right, and then I'll do it then. Right. Do you get uh like the cards in under your windshield wipers that are like we buy junk cars? Yes, and I, I originally began to think Phil it was targeted. It, do you think it is not? No, I okay. think they go just go down the street and they put it in everybody's. Uh, it's yes. hard not to take that personal. Oh, it definitely was. Because it's like, look, you know, it's like somebody making fun of the way you look. It Because it's like, yeah, I know I'm ugly, but I don't need you saying that to me. Right? It's like, yeah, I know I drive a piece of junk car. Right. I don't need someone else saying, hey, your car is a piece of junk, but we'll even buy your crappy car. Right. Turn it into a cube. I don't know what they do with those cars. Ah. <sighs> Metal has to be worth something, right? Metal has got to be worth something, yeah. But the thing with cars in general is I have no idea how much it, anything should cost. Yeah. Like, I have no concept. You know, when uh, if somebody needs to replace something in my car, whatever quite price they quote me is truth. Because it's like, I have no context for this. Yeah. Oh, I remember buying my car in the first place, um, and... I, I was with I was joined by my parents who were like, Well help. This is your first like car buying experience. You shouldn't be alone on this. Um but they they were terrible because neither of them wanted to negotiate on the price at all. 
Um, and I was that's like, the whole point of having your parents go with you, right? Like, <laughs> I don't just need someone there to like be with me as I lose money. Thanks. <laughs> um, but like, they didn't want to negotiate at all, and so I was like, I'm just gonna throw out another number. So I named another number, and the guy was like, Where are you getting that number from? And I was just like, I would just like to pay that. <laughs> and now we'll, 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 we'll never know, know if you actually paid that, that price or not. Uh, we were accompanied today by the Sinfonica Conservatorio Nacional de Quito, Ecuador. Uh, whoops, that was a weird set of sounds. Mark, let's move out of this segment. Which brings us, of course, to our topic for the show. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Mark, your thoughts on the game? I was super excited to get it because, yeah. you know, like most people, genuinely most people, I really I really love Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. Um I don't really like racing games. I don't like I don't really like other kart racing games. Interesting. And I think that's mostly because Mario Kart was a game we got with our 64. Mm-hmm. I never I didn't play the Super Nintendo version all that often like mm-hmm. you know at over at friend's house and stuff but we never owned it the 64 was the first one i had loved it and it was just kind of like why do i ever need another kart racer and so it was that thing where you try other kart racers and it's like being over at your friend's house where it's fine but you don't want to sleep there because you're like but i'm comfortable at home right that's why with mario kart. i want my own towels yeah your grandma smells weird uh-huh <laughs> right <laughs> yeah uh yeah I I get that uh I'm a big fan of kart racers just in general um I I really like uh Diddy Kong Racing Sonic Team Racing uh Mod Nation Racers I think is one of the best kart racers there is um on the PlayStation Three but um yeah I huge huge Mario Kart fan um and I have a lot of experience with Mario Kart Eight on the Wii U um that's hands down the wii u game that i've put the most time into i i checked it somewhere sometime in the last couple months just to see how many hours i'd put into that game and it's it's close to 200 hours of mario kart 8 that i've already put in so. so the only time that i've played mario kart 8 was at your house yeah that tracks um and you know it was a great game but i think i'm appreciating it more now yeah so uh, tell me a little bit about like how you approached because i think we're we probably have uh different approaches to like what we want to do in this game first right yeah so i've actually been spending a lot of my time in battle mode or like online in Mm, battle mm -hmm. mode um and i don't know how the wii u version existed without it because it's super fun yeah and battle mode is one of the main reasons that I play Mario Kart. See that that's interesting cuz for for me I like I like just the straight up racing and I I feel like there hasn't been a compelling version of battle mode maybe since Double Dash um like it, it's not good on the Wii um and I feel like it was always kind of clumsy in the DS and 3DS versions of the game um and then just like downright bad in uh vanilla Mario Kart 8 so, like, I don't know, at, at some point, I just sort of let the idea of there being a functioning battle mode go. Like, I don't, I, I haven't put any emotional energy into wanting it in decades. And a lot of those other games don't, you know, Sonic Team Racing, 
and Mod Nation racers, they don't have a battle mode at all. They're just about racing. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of... A, it took me a little while to even, like, convince Sarah that we should check out the battle mode in Deluxe. Um, but you've been doing that primarily, you'd say? or Yeah, I would say... I, I would say I'm spending half my time doing that and half my time just doing the course, like the Grand Prix. Yeah. Because again, I didn't, I haven't played Mario Kart 8. I, so I'm kind of experiencing it all in a new way. Yeah. Um, I will say to your point, the one reason why I've never liked the, wait, are you doing uh, races online or are you not playing online at all? Uh, just a little bit. Oh, okay. Just a little like, bit on, online for both. Because I don't like racing straight up races online because i'm not as good as other people are yeah so they're not fun like battle mode is more equal i feel like like i can be good in battle mode battle mode's a little more chaotic too i feel like totally there's a lot more like just sort of randomness to it especially with some of the some of the modes like uh um what's the the evade the what's it called right it's like renegade uh, roundup yeah yeah um, where uh, depending on which round it is, you're either the cops or the <laughs> you're either the cops or the criminal, <laughs> um, and so you're either chasing the other team with uh, piranha plants or you're just trying to evade them. Um, and a lot of that seems like, well, I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time, and there are two PD piranhas here. Yeah, that's my least favorite mode. Yeah, um, but there's there's less there's less of that sort of chaos in just straight up racing. Um, what, uh, so if, uh, Renegade Roundup is your least favorite mode, what is your favorite of the battle mode? I'm, I really like the, uh, the one where you collect coins. Uh Uh-huh. And I really like the one where it's like all bombs and you're just trying to blast each other. Yeah. And then balloon is all, like, I like, like, I like all of them. Any of the other four, like the, uh, shine one. Yeah. Shine thief, I think is my favorite. Um, just cause it feels the most, cause um coins and bombs and balloons all feel like just kind of slight variations on something and like there's nothing quite as uh like exhilarating slash nerve-wracking as when you get the shine and you have to hang on to this thing it's basically uh like uh like oddball right in in the halo games where you you just fight for an object and then you have to hang on to it for as long as you can while everyone chases you down um and I don't know, there, there's something unique about that feeling of uh, being on the run from everyone. Uh, so originally, I thought I was going to be a Dry Bones guy. Yeah. Right? Because that was one of the big omissions from Mario Kart 8. Which you didn't play. Which I didn't really <laughs> play. But when I was playing, I always wanted to be Dry Bones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and was not able to be Dry Bones. And so when I first started playing Deluxe, right, Dry Bones was my go-to guy. Then I was like, why don't I like... Branch out. Branch out a little bit. So now I'm a uh, squiddling boy. Okay. Player. Ink, inkling boy. Inkling boy. Yes. Love it. Way, in, way into being an inkling boy. Which uh, color the, like, do you choose? The greenish blue one. Okay, yeah. Not the blue, blue one. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I, like the, I like the new characters in this game. Um, it, obviously, Dry Bones has his own appeal. We all. Who, who's your go-to? Is it Rosalina still? No. Was it ever Rosalina? Yeah, I and. Uh, or was I just Mario casting Car- aspersions on you for? I no like good Rosalina. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm not. I'm not saying I don't know that you know. <laughs> Mario Kart Wii. Uh, she was my go-to, um, because she was one of the heaviest characters, uh, and I like that a lot. And is that useful when you're doing motion controls? 
Uh, I don't know. Have you been doing motion controls in this game? No. Yeah. Um, not at all. Uh, and didn't do it on the on the Wii U either. Um, I, my go-tos are I've I've got a handful that that I like. Um, I like Baby Daisy, um, oh. because she's so obnoxious. Um, and uh, Roy. The, uh, oh yeah, Roy's the, a good one. I love Roy. He's wearing these big dumb sunglasses. Um, but I also really like King Boo. Um, he was not in our original uh, version of this game, and he's just big and dumb and doesn't have feet <laughs> to you know power this <laughs> go kart that he's driving. Uh, but so you favor like heavier characters? Yeah, I think so. Um, but I mean, uh, uh, I've also got a baby in my lineup there, so oh, that's true. Um, I don't know. I think. The the differences between the way the characters play are subtle enough if you pick the same carts. Um, I'm a cart guy. I don't really like the the bikes at all. Um, I loved the bikes in Wii, but don't yeah. like them as much in... I, I've been doing primarily carts as well. Yeah, I mean, there's just something different about the way they control that I'm, I'm just not into, which is a shame because I would like to uh, play as Link on his Epona motorcycle because that's so cool and dumb, and I love it, but I don't want to ride the motorcycle, so. So, like Breath of the Wild is, to me, almost like the perfect form of Zelda. Yeah. I feel like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the perfect Mario Kart game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's pretty accurate. Or, it's- like, the, the best version that has come along so far. It takes everything that was good about the old ones and makes it, like, better. Yeah. Um. Which of uh? How, how do you feel about the the battle mode levels? Uh, I think they're fine. Yeah. Like they're serviceable. Um, I like the lunar one. The lunar one's cool a I lot. Li- I like the uh the dragon one. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. Like some of them tie into the themes of because there's also that like dragon uh, raceway, um, which was originally part of like the DLC in the original version of this game. Original, 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 original. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I like that it kind of marries those, uh, those kind of things, but also super cool that the lunar landscape is a, a totally unique thing. There is no moon level, um, in this game. I also really like how everything is pretty much opened up from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. You get more carts and, uh, like wheels and customization options, the more coins you collect, mm-hmm. but for the most, like all the levels are open. Yep. Um, all the all the modes all the modes and, and I, I love that and all of the uh like um 50 100 150 mirror and 200 cc are all available right from the get-go um have you had an opportunity to play any 200 cc no not yet? yet um so it's insane um it uh it, it was a, a later addition to um mario kart 8 and I, I I think that that's really the way it should be. Like you should have a lot of time with the game before turning on uh, 200 CC because you're just going so fast that like the courses don't work anymore. Like they're sort of broken when you're going so fast. Well, it feels like the perfect time to turn on the uh, thing that doesn't let you fall off the sides. The smart steering. The yeah. Smart steering and smart accelerating. So I want to talk about smart accelerating a little bit um, because. You know, smart steering does feel like a little bit of uh, training wheels, right? Or like a little bit of like safety floaties, right? Um, Which it's turned on by default. Which which is weird. Which I did not realize. I was doing a few races before 
I figured out that it was still on. Yeah, I saw the little antenna poking out and like glowing when I was getting near the edges and was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not totally in control of this cart, am I? Um, but the, the auto accelerate um, sort of makes sense because it's not really like there's any point during a map where I take my foot off the gas anyway. And does it work like Super Mario Run where it's just always accelerating? I don't know. I I still I still turn it off every time because I don't I like let me drive. <laughs> but I, I've been thinking about um, when I hop back into it that I may turn the auto accelerate on. My understanding, and I could be wrong about this, is that even when it's auto accelerating, you if using the right analog stick, yeah. you still have some control. So if you like pull back on the right analog stick, it slows down a little bit. If you oh interesting like pull up, it accelerates to its full amount. You know, so hmm. I think there is still some variation. It's not just like go. Um, that's but, interesting. But I'm... I I think it's I think it's both of these things are amazing because, um, like my boyfriend doesn't play video games very often, mm-hmm. and it's a great way for everybody of different skill levels to be able to play. And still have fun and still be able to win or like still be able to like participate and not be like, I just keep falling off the edge. Right. It's well, no like Rainbow Road. Rainbow Road, Grumble Volcano, a bunch of those Bowser Castle levels are like punishing if you're not like precise with the game. And, you know, we've been playing Mario Kart long enough where we are precise. But like, yeah, there are definitely I could actually see playing this one, for example, with my parents or other people who don't really play games that just want to, you know, have a fun time with Mario. And I don't feel like it breaks the game because Mm -hmm. I think if you are, you don't have those things turned on, you have more control, more finesse, like you will be better at the game than somebody who's using it. But it just makes it, uh, it gives them a chance to actually like play it and not get frustrated because they're constantly falling off the edge. Yeah. No, 100%. I think they're they're all good changes. And I have mostly um, this week been like reading stories about, um, you know, players with disabilities or whatever that are able to play Mario Kart for the first time since, uh, you know, losing a limb or whatever, um, where it's like, yeah, great. Like this, what, what a cool thing that I feel like most games aren't really tackling. It's, it's not finding a way to, um, th- it's not like an automatic win button. It's just like an automatic everyone can play button, which is great. Um, the music in this game is so good. Music in this game is dope. I really want to talk about this um, because I am convinced that the sound mix in this game is different than the sound mix on the original Mario Kart 8. I would totally believe it. Do you think it's for the better or for the worse? A- absolutely for the better. One of the things I always, always, always wanted from Mario Kart 8 was an ability to turn down the sound effects and the voices. Um you know, I've got nothing against hearing Mario yell and like, you know, like Bowser crying about coming in third place or something. But like the music is so good and it so frequently gets drowned out by this like cacophony of race carts and cartoon characters yelling at each other. <laughs> um, and I, there's just such a better balance in this game. I'm hearing little pieces of music and like little flourishes that I've never heard before. Um, and Sarah was saying the same thing that like, it's so much more rewarding to hear the music on like Big Blue or um, the Sunshine Airport or like all of these levels with like amazing music um, with just the sound effects turned down or like just mixed slightly to the side or so whatever they're doing. It, it, 
it's so improved so from the original. There's no options menu in the game, which I find baffling. Yeah, it's a little baffling. Um, be- because having n- no experience really with Mario Kart 8, I still want to turn down the sound effects a little bit. <laughs> like, I wish I had I had a slider that I could turn it down, but that's good to hear that it's better because the music in this game is so good. I love the Excite Bike track. Excite bike track yes like that is so good uh and that is one in particular where sarah was playing it and she was like i i don't think i've ever been able to hear this music before um and it's it's doing that like and it's so cool man i love that track and then shy guy mine shy guy mines mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that one reminds me a little bit of uh donkey kong country tropical freeze like some of those levels, yeah, what? where you get like the the shy guys when they're jumping up and down yeah, on the you, sidecars, they're like ooh ah uh, ooh uh, in uh, like time uh, with the music uh, and everything. Uh, uh, yeah, they're they're like sort of singing along, but only as you're driving past them. Yeah, it's oh man, the music in the game is so good. Uh, what what any uh are you seeing any like anything that you don't like about the game or anything that you think is going to give it uh shorter legs for you or anything like that i don't think so i feel like mario kart it is a game that you can play over time but it's not like a game that i feel i need to like mainline you know like where Mm -hmm. i need to just be like okay i'm dedicating myself to playing mario kart it's right that almost doesn't make sense right like uh, Mario Kart is a game that like you accidentally spend a, f- a Saturday night mainlining, right? Where you're like, oh, I guess I played Mario Kart for seven hours. Yeah, so I've you know I've been doing the Grand Prix, mm-hmm. um, but I'm like I'm starting at 50 CC and I'm gonna make my way through all of it. But I don't feel the need to like really push yeah. myself or rush it. Um, no, I I. It's kind of the perfect game to go on the Switch. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Like, it's a game you want to play with other people. Um, Speaking of want to play with other people, have you done much um, playing of this game actually on the Joy-Con? No. Um, Have you? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, we've got a a pro controller and the dock, so that's kind of what we default to now is one of us on each of those. Yeah. but we took this thing to a, a friend's birthday party over the weekend, uh, and Sarah and I were there first because we're old, <laughs> and so we had like 20 minutes where it was just the two of us, um, and so we played a little cart, and we played a little Puyo Puyo Tetris uh, with the split um, Joy-Con, and it's tight, but it's not like impossible to do. Did you bring the Joy-Con, whatever yeah, they the call grip. it? the grip? Or not the grip, uh, what are they called? the handles yeah that like slides into place and makes the strap. buttons bigger Joy-Con strap, strap. Uh, yes i feel like that's a necessity for mark because you're using those shoulder buttons so much to both um drift and use items i think you need those buttons to be bigger so yeah you, ba- you basically need the, the straps otherwise it doesn't make sense yeah originally i was thinking i would get a pro controller when splatoon 2 came out but mm-hmm. i think i'm going to pick one up early or maybe just get a another set of joy con because i do think that you know when you're like playing with somebody else at home it's nice to just have the full setup and not have to also get out the joy con grip and slide it into place and everything um so 
yeah, I haven't really done that yet. I don't love the Joy-Con grips. Is that what they're called? Joy-Con straps. I don't love the Joy-Con straps. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, Mine are still in the box. I haven't really pulled them oh, out really? for anything because I kind of find it to be like, like if I was going somewhere, I guess you have a carrying case that yeah, you can put them in, but it hands. just feels like another thing that I have to bring. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it actually came down to like a decision of, all right, we're bringing the Switch, so it's going to be in its little carrying case. And then I was like, well, do we want to bring... Also the pro controller and also the the grip, um, and that's you know where you're like oh now we're bringing like a bunch of stuff and it's so much easier if it's just a single kind of item together, which is is still true if you're uh, ripping off the Joy-Con and putting the straps on. It's still like two more things you need to carry with it. So, but it's just a lot smaller. Yeah, it's a lot it's, more manageable. It's super small and like can fit in the case no problem. Um, so yeah, I mean I I don't think it's perfect but it's totally serviceable and you know fits the like hey who wants to play one race of mario kart with me yeah um and everyone can immediately understand that and be like oh i haven't played mario kart in years and you're like auto steering (laughs) for you um is there any way to if i have two items yes is there any way to use the second item no because in yeah use the first item in, (laughs) in double dash you could switch players right and so you could change items that way. I guess it makes sense, but just like strategy wise, sometimes I'm like, ooh, I really want to use that second item first and hold on to this like red shell or yeah. little horn thing. Oh, this is the first game I've played that has the horn or the Yeah, Age is the first game that had the horn. Yeah. And oh man, that's Isn't fun. it great? It's so great. I love that item. Um so Deluxe added the the ghost item, which steals an mm. item from another player. But, and that's from older games. Uh yeah, I think it's in the Wii version. Yeah. Maybe in the DS version. I forget which. Um, but wh- I always loved having the, the horn um, in regular Mario Kart 8. Because like, that would be the one thing that would save you from a blue shell. Is you could blast that thing out of the air. Um, but now there's a counter for that. And someone can take it away with the ghost. I don't know. It, it's, just, it's neat to see like, these little levels of the game just like kind of leapfrogging each other. Am I making it up or... In eight, was there like a uh, like infinity symbol or something you could get? Yeah, we always called it the crazy eight, but I don't know if that's actually what it was. Where you would just be circled by all of the items. I think that is gone from this version it of the game. It seems to be, or I haven't encountered it yet. Yeah, where like you get a a star and a red uh, a, a mushroom, a red shell, a blue shell, lightning, something else, a squid, probably. <laughs> um, it's a little op, but. You know, what are you going to do? The other thing that they have uh, seemingly kind of pulled back on was, like, the expressions of me characters. E- yeah, I have heard that as well. Um, now, Miis were kind of foregrounded or, or have been kind of backgrounded yeah. in general on the Switch. And that continues to be true here because it shares, like, an icon with Amiibos. Is that right? On the character select screen or something? Well, the, the Amiibo, like, uh, Amiibos just unlock costumes for the Miis, which is all they did in the uh, first version of the game, too. Um, and, yeah, like, by the time you're, you know, scanning in an Amiibo to give your racer a costume, you don't care if the me looks like you. You know, like, that That totally doesn't matter. But, yeah, they, they used to, uh, you know, smile and ooh as, and cry and whatever. Um, and I guess that's been taken out of this version, which I'm fine with. I don't, I don't need that. Yeah, death to me's. Yeah, de- death to me's. Um, we, we look, we got, uh, we got inklings in there now. Who needs this? Not me. Not me. Sister. And my boy Roy. 
<laughs> yeah, I got my boy Roy. <laughs> my boy Roy. Um, any other uh, thoughts that we have about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe? Uh, I think before the Switch launched, I was saying, oh, I wonder if, because this is a kind of a remaster of Mario Kart 8, that we'll see another Mario Kart, like Mario Kart 9, right. on the Switch's system. Same with if that uh, Smash, Smash Brothers yeah. turns out to be true. And now that I have 8 Deluxe, it's like, no, there's no, there's no point. Sure. I, I mean, I, I would like to... S- I don't expect this, um, but it would be really cool if they could treat 8 Deluxe like a like the Mario Kart platform, and if in six months, a year, whatever, they release DLC for it with just a, another pair of circuits or a couple more battle maps or something, um, like I, that would make me so happy. I don't need a fully new Mario Kart game um every couple years but like to just make this one better and better i think that's really smart like mario kart as a service yeah instead of as like you know uh biannual releases or whatever you know it's just like here's mario kart and we're going to continue to support it right throughout the life of the system and like if they had some like weird take on mario kart like something that is more divergent from just like this main series like that's fine i want to see that too but like for just mainline Mario Kart, this is, like you were saying, kind of the perfect form of that. And so now that I'm looking at it, it's like, oh, if this Smash Brothers port does turn out to be true, and there's really no reason for it to not exist, because the Wii U version of Super Smash Brothers, again, is kind of takes all the elements of the other Smash Brothers games and... Uh, removes Solid Snake and Ice and Climbers. And removes Solid Snake and Ice Climbers. The thing... <laughs> Everybody wanted to happen. But no, you know, it, it feels like, oh, right, this is almost the perfect version yeah. of this game. And uh, why not remaster it for a system that people will actually own this time? It also seems And then like, clear up those development resources yeah. to work on something else. Yeah. Well, and also it seems like there's, uh, to do like a deluxe version of Smash 4, um, it would be easy enough to be like, Okay, it just has uh, the levels of both the uh, Wii U and 3DS version. And Ice Climbers are back. And ice, and ice Climbers are back because they can be back. Solid Snake, though, no. No. No Solid Snake. Mark, let's, uh, let's close up this discussion. Mark, I've got a listener-reader question for us to discuss. Uh, and, of course, anyone... Uh, can send in your questions to us by emailing Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Uh, and just, you know, whatever, what experiences are you having with Mario Kart? Do you like kart racing games in general? Other racing games you like? Why aren't there more F-Zero games? You know, whatever. Diddy Kong Racing. Anything. These are prompts that I'm giving you to give <laughs> prompts to us. Um, we got an email this week from uh, J. Edgar Davis. He writes... I'm listening to your 12-2016 show right now, so back in December, um, and I had, a, I had another thought on why there would be a bigger demand for an N64 classic over other systems, especially the Super Nintendo. The N64 was a unique experience compared to other systems at the time. There are also ways to get Nintendo 64 controller adapted for USB, but they are much more exhausting to get than basic PlayStation-style USB controllers. 
I have three of those, and they work great for NES, Super NES, and Game Boy games. They're available at any GameStop. Nintendo 64 and GameCube are harder uh, are harder to play on. Uh, harder. To, sorry, I apologize. Nintendo 64 and GameCube are harder to play on keyboard or on these USB controllers, so they're not as popular for emulation. I have emulators for both Super Nintendo and Nintendo, but I couldn't care less about the classics on them. But I went out and bought my girlfriend a Nintendo 64 two Christmases ago because we were both extremely nostalgic for it. Uh, that's my thought on why it took off. So basically what he's saying is that it is harder to have the Nintendo 64 experience with an emulator and like normal commercially available controllers uh, for emulators. Any thoughts on uh, if like the hardware restrictions that the Nintendo 64 presents and the GameCube, I guess, would make it a more attractive, uh, like classic edition console. I guess that's a great point because even though there are 64 games on the like virtual console, and mm -hmm. there since the Wii they were on there, the experience of playing it on the Wii or another system was totally different. Yeah, not the same. And part of that does come down to that really weird controller. Yeah, and that that really weird controller. I mean, like, there is no and there will never be another analog stick that feels like the Nintendo 64 analog stick. Um, like, none. And no other controller has the C buttons laid out in, in that way as, like, a sort of second D-pad that's, like, up on the controller. Um, and some of the remakes we have seen, like, Super Mario 64 DS were right. bad. Yeah, but I mean, some that we've seen a bit like Majora's Mask and Link to the uh, nope, Ocarina of Time have been really good. But those also play fairly differently because yeah, they're true. like adapted to new controllers. Not in a bad way, but it's not like the same experience. Right. So I, I guess like um, my question uh, to you specifically about this is like, are there games... Nintendo 64 games that feel so well like molded to that controller that um I'll, I'll just lead off with a couple that that I can think of um Wave Race 64 felt very at home on the Nintendo 64 controller Pilot Wing 64 totally and I mean really even uh Mario 64 like Super Mario 64 feels at home, the C buttons being what they are, they're the camera buttons for that game, you know? Um, and just, it, it's so weird that the controller just had this extra, that left prong of the thing, right? Where it really just has the D-pad and an L button that so few games ever used. Like, I wonder if they did a Nintendo 64 Classic, if they would... Would the controller be the whole thing, even though, like, part of it you basically never use? Also, if they... Yeah, I guess they would make them full-size. That alone would make it worthwhile to me for them to make a N64 Classic Edition is so we could get those controllers again. <laughs> yeah. How crazy would that be for them to make those it would be in nuts. the year, like, 2020? <laughs> it would be crazy. And there would have to be a way for you to hook up four of those things to a Nintendo 64 Classic, which is insane. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think that the... Uh, well, the hardware is, like, the, I think that is a, a compelling argument as to why a Nintendo 64 Classic could be 
um, a, a more successful thing. I don't know that it has the software necessarily to support it, um, especially if it's going by the same rules as like the NES Classic. Like I'd be hard pressed to come up with thirty games. I think those games have also aged really yeah. poorly. Yeah, I mean, like Goldeneye, you can't you can't play Goldeneye. Anymore. I don't know how that would look blown up on like a fifty inch screen. It's not just about how it would look; it's about how it plays. Like, um, you know. N- Nintendo may have nailed uh, Mario traversing in a 3D space from a third-person perspective, but like Rare did not nail first-person shooter mechanics on a controller. They didn't do it. Like that came later. I also think it would be really hard for people to go back to playing regularly on the N64 because in my head I'm like, how do you even hold this controller? <laughs> what you hold you, it in the middle. <laughs> what do you do with like one of your thumbs? Because there's only one stick. You know, it's just like it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've moved so far beyond that. Um, I would also be interested to know how old the person is that was writing in. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like, uh, age would have something to do with it as well. I wonder if the N64 is the system that encompasses, like, the Venn diagram of everybody's Nintendo experience is the greatest in the N64. Sure. Because people who grew up Mm -hmm. in the age of the NES were not, like, too far beyond it at that point. And... Um, yeah, it, and younger people were growing up with it, right? Yeah. It and Nintendo was still at its height then, versus you know what Nintendo is today, which is a storied company that slash scrappy underdog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's for for me the Nintendo sixty four is the first time I remember feeling like Nintendo was different in a bad way. Um. When I was like, ah, I bought this thing because I thought Final Fantasy VII was coming to it because I saw it in Nintendo Power. <laughs> um, and then it didn't. And I was like, oh, where am I going to get these uh, RPG experiences? And there weren't any on, uh, on the Nintendo 64. There was Quest 64. That game was terrible. Um, didn't stop me from playing it a bunch. But like, yeah, it's my, my nostalgia for it. I have uh, affinity for games that appeared on it already talked about uh diddy kong racing um but like yeah it's it's not in my mind um like it's it's not in like the pantheon of, of great systems for me but this is a great point though that i hadn't really considered that you can't get the n64 experience anywhere but an n64 yeah that's right and without getting a Nintendo 64 a Nintendo 64 controller slapping a rumble pack into the back of the controller and then finding a uh, an expansion drive uh, so you can play Majora's Mask and uh, Donkey Kong 64, which also don't play Donkey Kong 64. It's nah, not, don't bother. It's not worth it. If it comes out on a N64 Classic, fine, fine. Play a little bit of it then. Yeah, but don't waste your time. No, no, certainly don't waste your time. Uh, did we talk about this? Uh, would you? How how do you say? So I say Super NES, mm-hmm. right? And you say SNES, SNES, um, or when, Super Nintendo. When it comes to Nintendo sixty four, do you say N sixty four? Yeah, N sixty four, Nintendo sixty four. What do you say? What else could you say? Nintendo sixty four. Oh, okay, yeah, the, the whole word. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think, w- with the exception of NES, I like to say the whole word Nintendo. I never abbreviate it to sixty four though. Hmm. I wonder if there are examples of me doing that earlier in the show. <laughs> 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 uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but 
Great question. Uh, I I, th- I think har- hardware is a super compelling argument for why there should be a Nintendo 64 class. Yeah, uh, it and the GameCube. Because, again, the GameCube controller, you aren't able to get that experience anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Analog triggers. Yeah, analog triggers and that weird little C-stick. <laughs> Also, the one big button. The one big button. Love the one big button. Man, I wish the one big button would come back. Uh, all right. Um, I think that means it's time for us to wrap up the show. That's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, you can always send us your emails and participate in this conversation, which is fun. It's genuinely fun <laughs> by writing into Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter. We're just at Nincart Society. Check out the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you have a second, we would love for you to rate and review all that garbage on um, I- iTunes. Share with your friends. You're listening the day, the day this comes out. You know how all of this works. Uh, if you like Mark and Mind's opinions, you can read our reviews of comic books on retconpunch.com. If you want to watch us play D&D, you can check us out on Twitch. It's the Dungeoneers Union every Tuesday night. Um, Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can check out his music by going to 8bitbetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying, maybe we shouldn't have let the football guys in. It's really hot in here. Thanks for listening. What's a creative podcast network?